It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode of Locked On Raptors is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week on Friday for another mailbag and get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 953 of Locked On Raptors for uh, Wednesday. I've totally thrown off by the holiday this week. I think it's Wednesday, May the 26th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And also, please make sure to uh, subscribe to all the Locked On Podcast Network shows that cover the teams that you like. It's a wonderful, wonderful network. we got shows covering all the big four teams in basketball, baseball, hockey, football. In addition, we've got a bunch of NCAA programs covered, and we got national shows kicking around as well. So go and support them. Go listen. If you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan want to hear all about the Leafs going up 3-1 in their first round series against the vastly inferior Montreal Canadiens, you can listen to Locked on Leafs today to get the lowdown there as they look ahead to Game 5, a potential elimination game. Uh, all right, on today's show, we are beginning a series that we do every year, uh, basically, where we look and sort of review each player's season. This year, we're going to call it the season from hell in review, and we're going to go player by player and uh, talk about their years. We're going to talk about their, our biggest takeaways from each player's season. We'll talk about you know things that worked well this year, improvements, development, all that, also things that could be worked on for next season, and then we'll look into next season and where said player slots in to the future plans of the team. And today, we are starting with OG Ananobi, selected by today's guest, who is one of our favorites. It's Katie Heindel. Katie, how's it going? Good. Got my iced coffee, had a mm. smoothie, ready to go. So you're an iced coffee person in the in the summer? You don't go with uh-huh. the hot coffee at all? No, man. Mm. Mm. That's my time. I'm, I'm hot coffee year-round, and I think that maybe is weird, but also I find iced coffee doesn't give me the jolt I need. It's too bought watered down. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not I drinking the right iced coffee. make it myself, so mm-hmm. you can do it two ways, <laughs> real quick. <laughs> you can do it, uh, as I did this morning with the uh, espresso maker, so you do a shot of, you got a, this case, a double shot of espresso, um, pour it in a glass with ice cubes about halfway, cold water about halfway. I use coconut milk, mm. put a bit of that in, pour the espresso over all that, stir it up, do a little splash of a, of water in the espresso cup to get the crema, like that nice like foam off sure, the sides, sure. put that in, stir it up. Great. Sometimes in the summer when you want to kick like what you're talking about, I'll also do like a French press and then uh, let it cool down. Like let it mm-hmm. sit for a really long time. <laughs> it's cool enough to like pour in a, like a, refrigeratable container 
uh-huh. and put that in and then you got cold brew and then you can pour that over ice. If you want to be a real psycho, you could put that in ice cube trays and have coffee ice cubes in your iced coffee. Ooh, I, uh, I got a bust of the French press, Katie. I, I'm usually just, uh, I turn the drip pot coffee thing on because I'm old uh, <laughs> and uh, afraid of change and new expensive items for the kitchen. But that sounds lovely. And um, it sounds a lot better than my usual, I want an iced coffee. I'm going to make a pot of hot coffee. I'm going to get an enormous glass. I'm going <laughs> to fill it with ice. I'm just going to pour the hot coffee right on the ice, Mm-mm. melt all the ice, and then I have to add new ice to the new now cooled down coffee liquid. Um, so maybe I've really kind of understood the air of my ways here. Thank you, Katie, for You're helping welcome. me see the light when it You're comes welcome, to iced coffee. I'm just going to take <laughs> another swig of my very hot coffee on this very humid and muggy morning. Cause do I you think OG is an iced coffee guy? I do. In the summer, mm. I definitely do. I feel like I've always thought of OG as the kind of person who doesn't consume food or drink. He just kind of is and doesn't really need to bother with the whole eating thing. Have we ever seen him eat before? I don't think we mm-hmm. have. I don't think so. But oh, and he's when he what did he talk when he's talked about restaurants like when pressed? I don't think he's also had good answers or like answers. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> like he's he, unfamiliar he feels, with food. Yeah, like he might grab a sandwich from a grocery store, but that's kind of it. Maybe I don't know. We'll have to um, figure this out. Maybe that's one of the great mysteries of next season that we need to I learn know. about OG Ananobi. We'll find out in today's podcast, Katie. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned at the top, this is the season from hell in review, and we're starting with OG Ananobi. Uh, and the way we're going to start these off is just with our sort of biggest, overarching, largest take about the season that was for each player we dive into. Uh, just a heads up, tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk Fred Van Vliet with Louis Zatzman, and then on Friday, uh, Yasmin Dewal is going to join, and we're going to talk about Gary Trent Jr. Uh, so that's That'll be fun. But we have OG to talk about right now. Katie Heindel, what was your biggest takeaway from OG Ananobi's season in Toronto, his fourth season in Toronto? Good season. Good and shitty. Good season for OG, shitty season overall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he really was like the bright spot in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Like, obviously, there were good things that happened. You had the Gary Trent explosion after he was acquired. You had Pascal finding himself and playing exceptionally well in the last couple months in particular, but pretty well all season long with the playmaking. Fred Van Vliet, uh, I thought, was uh, tremendous, and we'll get into it tomorrow. I-, I think if the Raptors had a most improved player nominee, I might have actually gone with Fred over OG, um, although OG would have been a pretty good uh, option as well. Um, it was a delightful season. Katie, you're, you're, you're not off base. And I think the thing for me that kind of stands out is that he kind of moved the ceiling for me this year in a way I didn't really expect. Like, I have always tried to temper the expectations with OG a little bit just because I think it was very unfair that he drew all these Kawhi comparisons in his second season when Kawhi's on the team. And it's like, oh, he can just be Kawhi of the future. And that just seemed really unfair. Um, you know, last season, I think he had like these pretty gargantuan expectations going in after a lost season in year two. And um, I think even his second year, there were big expectations after his really strong rookie season. And it just kind of always seemed like people were putting the cart before the horse a little bit. And if you just give him some time to sort of learn what he is and figure out what he is, he could probably blossom into something great. I chose to take the sort of patient wait and see route. And I thought, you know, if OG can turn himself into an excellent 3 and D player and, you know, the multi-positional defender that he already is, that's kind of 
great. And if he's something more than that, awesome. But I'd never really thought the handle was quite there. And it just felt like he was always going to kind of play second fiddle to Fred and Pascal within this sort of hierarchy. I don't think that anymore. I think he very much is profiling as someone who can be like a, a number two option on a very good team. Um, you know, the strides he made this season with his handle in particular were super important and tremendous. And by the season's end, you know, he's driving by himself. He's sizing up mismatches. He's posting dudes up. He's kind of doing it all on offense. And I did not see that sort of toolkit being on display, at least as early. You know, maybe down the line it could come together, but did not really expect that. I thought we would see him be one of the better role players in the league, but I don't think I, I expected that sort of next level offensively. And now I'm kind of uh, at the risk of putting the expectations too high, I think, again, for next season because of what went down this year. How are you sort of um, taking in what he did this year and applying it to your overall like expectations? What were your expectations for him coming into the year? They were high, and I think expectations are good, actually. I think... Right. You know, coming into the season, OG did talk a lot about having worked on his handle as something he was specifically kind of looking at after the bubble last year. Um, it was what he was putting work in over the summer, like the, their brief, basically, summer-fall <laughs> uh, opportunity for workouts that the team had. And you saw it. You saw, like, the improvements this season. And I think he's kind of one of these players who, once he's sort of zeroed in on what it is he wants to work on, he does come back a lot stronger on that specific mm -hmm. thing. Um, and I think like, I don't, I don't, okay. I'm not even going to temper this. A part of me wonders if you will surpass Pascal um, yep. just basically in the kind of growth and consistency we've seen from Oji, uh, a player who hasn't had a consistent runway, I'd say in his entire playing career with Toronto, um, just given circumstance, um, didn't get one this season either, but like made the most of the time he had to flourish, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and made the most of those opportunities. He's a player who like year after year over year, you know, like we've seen everything across the board improve for him. Like, you know, and I don't even think the sample size for his stats this season really count because it's not, it's, it's like an imperfect um, look at what basically everything, mm -hmm. you know, but like his points are up like from last season, he's averaging almost 16 points a game. You know, his assists are up. Um, his, his rebounding is up. Like, I just think he's a, he's a fuller package, um, in a, in a way that guys like Pascal, Fred aren't, I know it's perhaps not their role to be that mm -hmm. fuller package, but you, you'd like it. I mean, certainly out of Pascal, I think, but, um, I don't think the Kawhi comparisons are, it's not that I disagree with making a comparison. I just don't think he's actually going to become that kind of player. You know, sure. I really think with OG, like we're seeing a new prototypic style of player. I would have liked mm -hmm. to see him more just given actually the, the kind of trouble that the Raptors had with centers this season. I would have liked to see him exploring more what he could yeah. do with the five, you know, like just because he does have that strength. I think we saw his strength, especially come out this season as well. Um, mm -hmm. I think going into next season, I'd like to see his playmaking kind of get tested a little bit um like his his shooting has gotten better like just his shot selection and creation um he's so sneaky uh, <laughs> there's just so much about og there's so many different directions i guess you could say that og could go into potentially and explore in his game and then just kind of like roll it all together to improve his game overall whereas like you know what do i want from pascal i want to see him 
confident all the time and I want to see him <laughs> create shots. But like, I feel like we've been saying those kinds of things about Pascal for a couple seasons, you know, whereas OG, it's like, he's given us now all these new avenues that I'm super curious to see, like if he goes down those roads, what he does with them, what he brings back to the team. Um, I just think like overall, he's kind of primed in the best position we've seen him yet at the end of a season. It sucks that he's not going to get playoff reps, but like, if anything, it's just going to give him way more time to work out and improve this summer. Yeah, all, all well-taken points. And I'm with you on the sort of, he's a different type of player than, you know, I think kind of we've ever seen, right? Like he's someone who legitimately guards five positions. And I think it's informative that we haven't really talked much about defense in this conversation because it's kind mm-hmm. of just a given now that he's one of the best defenders alive. And I think over the course of a full season is a no-brainer all-defense pick, uh, even this season, with the Raptors not being terribly potent on that end of the floor. And I'm with you. I think there's a world in which by the end of next season, we're looking at him as the best player on the Raptors. I still would probably lean towards Pascal in that conversation just because the playmaking is so good and there's a lot of distance to make up there if you're OG to get to where Pascal was this season. But that's not to say it can't get there. OG is obviously a very smart player. He leverages his gravity pretty well. Um, he got better, I think, this season when it came to the playmaking thing and sort of, you know, especially like finding cutters and, um, you know, big to big passes, stuff like that. Like he's just really smart and kind of understands the space inside very well. And so I, I think it's all there for him to potentially snatch. I would still lean Pascal, but it's one of them good problems when, oh no, which one of these six foot eight to six foot nine defensive terror forwards is going to be the best player by the end of next season like that's a pretty damn good place to be if you're the Raptors I want to dive into some of the development from OG this season some stuff that uh, we saw uh, you know the way that his sort of shot profile changed and some things that can be worked on in just one second here but first I want to tell you about our friends over at Locker Room who are changing the way we talk about sports it is the first social audio platform made for sports fans the app is free to download and once you're in you can talk with me Katie other fans athletes insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport we're hosting Locker Rooms pretty regularly usually on Friday afternoons We'll take your mailbag questions. They're a lot of fun. Really uh, glad that we've kind of built a bit of a recurring cast of guests in those as well. So if you want to be part of those, make sure you download the app. Uh, You'll have the chance to, again, chat with me, Katie, Vivek's on there all the time. And uh, sometimes you'll be featured on this podcast because sometimes if I'm lazy, I'll repurpose those locker rooms and turn them into segments on the show. Be sure to join us this week. Uh, Still ironing out the time, but probably Friday. And uh, keep an eye out. It's a free app to download on iOS and Android. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group of your choosing. The NBA would be the one for this, these purposes, and you'll get the latest league updates. And if you follow me, at Sean Woodley, all one word, you will be notified when my room goes live. I know you don't want to miss it. I'm planning, again, this week with Katie, with Vivek, most likely on Friday. Can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Raptors. See you there, Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. 
J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Katie, let's continue on here talking OG and the things that went well developmentally this season for him. Obviously, you know, it's been a bit of a weird development curve for him considering the stops and starts in his career. You know, the first season, he's just like this very low usage but super effective rookie who's an amazing defender, kind of shows out in the playoffs. Year two, he has the appendectomy. He has the personal tragedy with his father passing away. He loses his starting job to Kawhi Leonard, misses the entire postseason. Kind of a lost year developmentally for him. And then 2019-20, pretty damn good. He plays 69 games. He, you know, shoots 40% from three. Like, he's right there. And then he just kind of builds upon it this season, even though, again, stops and starts, COVID, all of that kind of cut into it. And I wonder if we're talking, if he gets an extra 20 games of development this season, even 25, are we talking about an even more sort of impressive statistical picture for him? Because he really was kind of adding to his stats over the course of the back part of the season before he got shut down. And it was bloody impressive, Katie. Um, For you, what area of his game that he sort of worked on this season made you the most excited about what can come next for him? Um, yeah, I mean, I know we didn't talk about defense because it is a given, but it was yeah. still impressive to see him step up in that regard. Um, and like, I mean, some of those problems were too big, like physically too big a missing capable center for him <laughs> to like step into and handle. Um, but what we did see, I liked it. I think like, what I remember, it's kind of like deja vu for what happened this at the end of the season to what was happening at the end of the bubble, um, which is like when you kind of saw him come out um, and really start to plateau and like work. And I don't know if it's just a matter of like getting his rhythm down, you know, like figuring out like where or just like figuring it out in a way that like he again hasn't been able to. I think I, I think like I want to go back again to that point of consistency and like you mentioned all the upsets he's had every season I mean taking a vaccine to Kawhi that's fine like I don't think any player would complain about that <laughs> but it's certainly going to derail probably probably like the minutes and like the fulfillment of those minutes he would have had that season you know what I mean otherwise I'm not complaining because mm-hmm. there was a, a championship at the end of that season but <laughs> <laughs> I think this one it's like that's what that's what was like the biggest bummer, you know, it's like he really started to cook and we were really seeing like what he could work with. I think like, I don't know, I don't want to be totally emotional, but I do think there's something to be said for the fact that like, it seemed like he got a friend back (laughs) (laughs) and Gary. Cause I think like he he lost Serge and Mark and just like defensively in the way I think he looked at his game, like he learned a lot from those guys, you know, Mm -hmm. like he wasn't like them at all stylistically, but like, he learned an awful lot from them and then they were gone. And it's like, you know, Fred has Kyle, um, Pascal, Pascal kind of has Kyle too, but Pascal's now sort of stepping into his own role, but like OG didn't really have that model, you know? Um, and I, now it's like, I, I, I want him to be his own model, but I also want him to have a friend. So I'm glad <laughs> he's got Gary. I'm glad he's got like now a lot of guys just like younger guys now on the team and new fresh faces to kind of like, explore what he can look like as a leader so I liked that a lot it's hard with him I think like 
I don't mean it to be a cop out, but I, I think it's just like, I liked everything I saw from him. And again, just to go back to the point I made earlier, like, that's what I am most excited for next season. It's like, I don't want to jinx it, like touch wood, but like, is he just going to get finally like this unfettered season where he can just kind of run free uh, mm-hmm. and like get the time and get the minutes and just like get the consistency that he's lacked all along, you know, like there was so much development that he lost in the title run, you know, that Fred and Pascal got, and you can see the difference just like in the way that they play. And he's kind of had to figure things out piecemeal. So more than anything, like, I just want him to be playing the way that we saw in the last, like, I don't know, two or three weeks only mm-hmm. of the Raptors season. Um, but I want him to be, to be able to play that way all season long and back in Toronto. Yeah, that would be really cool. If he could just get a runway of a full 82 games with uh, minimal interruption, minimal uh, pandemic uh, interrupting things, that would be pretty damn swell. Um, the thing I think I'm most encouraged by that OG worked on this season, and you know, again, the defense is, uh, I don't want to keep sort of hand-waving it because it's such a given, but really, it is a given. He's unbelievable. He can legitimately defend five positions the way maybe one or two other players in the world can. Uh, I believe he went down as the most versatile defender in a bunch of different metrics, um, or a bunch of different sites, sort of versatility metrics. He's outstanding. But the offense is where I keep coming back to because that's obviously going to sort of unlock the next level of OG and Anobi. And, you know, there were some you know, modest improvements in some areas, but I think they're important improvements. And mostly I'm thinking about his shot distribution and the way his um, sort of shot chart looks. He, this season, uh, actually saw a decrease, a pretty significant decrease, almost 20% decrease in, uh, or 20 percentage points in the number of shots he took at the rim, but he shot 77% at the rim and 26% of his attempts came there. That is ridiculous efficiency. That is all of the dunks that he sort of rises from the middle of a thicket of arms to throw down. It's the cuts. It's to him sort of posting up and scoring on dudes and the the individual drives. Um, He saw his frequency from three to 10 feet, 10 to 16 feet and 16 to uh, three point range all increase as well. Not by a ton. It was like 11% to 17% for three to 10 feet, two and a half percent to four percent for 10 to 16 and then one percent to nearly three percent from 16 to three point range he's still very much a you know rim and threes guy which is what you want but there's a little bit more diversification there's a little bit more in terms of him getting to the mid-range and I think especially early in the season he kind of didn't flash as much lately because he was kind of just barreling over dudes and scoring at the rim at will um but you know he you saw that sort of free throw line, pull up jumper, stuff like that. That is all important stuff to have in the tool belt if you're going to become a a high leverage, high usage option. And I think maybe the most encouraging thing is the percentage of his field goals that were assisted went from 64% last year, also 71% in his rookie year, down to 51% this season. So he self-created a whole bunch more. He's not relying so much on being sort of opportunistic within within the offense. He's, you know, taking it upon himself. And they especially were letting him do that late in the year. And it was working pretty damn well, Katie, I gotta say. <laughs> Him just, like, sizing up basically anyone he wanted. I feel like there were blowbys of, like, LeBron and Kawhi and a bunch of, like, you know, notable, very good defenders that might be misplacing Kawhi. I don't know if OG played in those games, but, um, you know, it, it felt like it didn't really matter. He was sizing up matchups, and he was taking it to people because no one can guard him because he's, like, the strongest man alive. 
Um, that's to me super encouraging. And again, if he's going to become the best player on the Raptors, he'll have to do the unassisted thing. He'll have to create for himself in addition to creating for others, which I guess is sort of the thing that needs to be worked on the most, which is the playmaking. But uh, what were your thoughts on the way he sort of broadened his offensive game this year, Katie? Yeah, I mean, like you make a great point just about his kind of sneaky physicality almost. Like you don't pin him as a player who can go up against LeBron or AD, but like he does time and time again. And he does it very well because he's also like super fast and incredibly long. You know what I mean? Like he can just like get in and around them in ways I think they do not anticipate Mm -hmm. um, and like become this kind of stealthy pest. (laughs) He's incredibly watchful. I did want to say that just in terms of like what you were talking about picking, picking his shots, like his shot selection overall. And I just think like, the decisions he's making whether those are defensive decisions like offensive help decisions he's just he's learning very quickly about where he has to be and I think maybe some of that um was just due to the fact of like necessity this season you know again and it's like it sucked to not have a capable big man kind of there to run the defense through but I think in some ways clearly it helped players like OG you know like to kind of stretch that way and like stretch those defensive muscles a little bit differently than what you would normally expect of them. Um, I did also like, you know, it's tough sometimes to know what Nick nurse thinks of like, I know he loves his like core guys, but just like where he wants to see them, where he wants to push them, you know, and develop them too. But I think like he showed a lot of trust in just letting OG figure it out (laughs) and like where, where he kind of wanted him. I mean, granted the the pressure was sort of off in the last month of the of the season, just once the play-in sort of seemed to get farther off. And it sounds like their intentions on the play-in were never that driven, mm-hmm. which I think was the right decision. Um, but yeah, I think just like, I think that like stealthiness and that kind of watchfulness, because I would say that Toronto doesn't have a lot of like, it didn't have a lot of physically imposing players anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that really showed up this season, especially in an era of like Lakers, big men, like bully ball, essentially, you know? Um, But OG kind of is a door jam on that. And he was like really necessary um, for them. And I think like now with the addition of Kim, you know, he won't have to do that all the time. Uh, But I, I like that the league seems to know that he's there Mm -hmm. yeah um speaking of the league knowing he's there i feel like it's going to really become prevalent next year if you're in the league realizing that og is uh, dunking on your face and also stealing the ball away from you on the other end as he continues his progression at least the way we expect uh we'll get to that in just a second kind of look ahead to next year and uh talk about the offseason a little bit for him coming up in just a second here but first i want to tell you about our friends over at built bar who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy after a long time languishing on the couch, I have started to exercise again, and I gotta say, Built Bars are awesome because I can have one before I go for a bike ride, and it's uh, it's a wonderful way to power me through. It doesn't weigh me down. It's not like a heavy breakfast or anything like that. It just sits in my tummy nice and light and also gives me the energy and protein I need to get through a workout. I went for like a 46-kilometer bike ride on uh, Monday, uh, yeah, Monday, and I'm going to credit Built Bar for that. Uh, I suppose that I'm taking some credit away from myself, but no, it's all Built Bar. Let's give them that. It's Mint Brownie's responsibility for my bike ride. Um, they are wonderful. They're, of course, they're, they're tasty. If you don't know what your favorite flavor is, of course, you can get a mix box, of course, uh, where you can get two of each of the nine flavors and then decide for yourself which one you want to buy a full box of. 
And as we know, they're great tasting, but they're also healthy too. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. That is the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball is going strong right now. If you want to bet on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hitting a home run on a given night, you might not get very strong odds because he does it every single night, but you might win yourself some money either way, so you can go do that. Also, you've got the NHL and NBA playoffs ramping up, and they are a ton of fun. And also, you can get news, odds, info on all of your other sporting needs like golf, UFC, horse racing, whatever it might be. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit at the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs or through the playoffs head to the website right now and receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on all one word that is betonline.ag promo code locked on your online sportsbook experts all right katie let's round this thing out and talk a little bit about what next season and i guess the off season might look like here for og and anobi um it was kicked around yesterday katie I think from some crazy Instagram post, but uh, sort of thinking about going into this offseason, if the Raptors are looking to potentially make some sort of star trade somewhere, it's going to require they have to trade from inside their core to do it, most likely, unless they can convince a team to, you know, take picks and Chris Boucher and Rodney Hood's contract or whatever it might be. Um, And it got people sort of talking, or at least got me thinking a little bit, about the untouchables on the Raptors roster. To me, I think, you know, there are very few untouchables ever in the NBA. If a superstar becomes available and the price is what it is, then you pay the price for the superstar if you want to win titles. That's kind of the game. Um, But obviously, I think the core three of OG, Fred, and Siakam are all closer to untouchable than not at this point, you know, barring the right trade coming along. My question to you, Katie, is, is OG Ananobi the most untouchable player on the Raptors roster in your estimation? Hmm. (laughs) This is tough. Um. I would say, yeah, at this point, just given the mm-hmm. fact, like, you know, he's four years younger than Pascal, like, he is showing strides um, where you'd, where they'd wanted to see them from Pascal. Like, mm-hmm. out of those three, if that's, like, a true thing and not just everybody kind of hyping themselves up, which I guess we won't <laughs> know until it happens, um, I feel like Pascal is sort of the, the least untouchable at this point right um it pains mm-hmm. me to say it but i mean if you're <laughs> looking at ananobi and kind of what he's done this season like he's already like one of the league's most versatile like three and d players but like that's not it's clear like after the season like that's not gonna that would be limiting to him to keep him in that role so mm-hmm. i think like is he gonna become can he become the team's primary scorer like i think he could i think he's showing flashes there i mean the ideal situation is you have him and pascal both on the floor you know and they can both do that for you but yeah i'd say just like what we know of the front office especially masai like look what he did in that powell trade you know like you you mm-hmm. you get gary and you're kind of looking at a rewind of like what powell was a few years ago and someone huh. who's like showing flashes of a little bit more versatility and like given the Raptors developmental system, um, it's it already was serving very well. And I think it's going to. So I think like clearly kind of tr- tr- trading down. You're not trading down. You're trading up, but you're going down in age. 
Um, <laughs> if like that's something that they wanted to do, I think like OG. To me, it's just like it would be kind of insane to trade away the potential that he has at this point. I would have said probably at the end of last season, um, he would have been a bit more of a lucrative trading piece, you know. Sure. Um, but that's like that has all changed because when you look at the the player who's like brought you some of the most consistent development and consistent play, and just like as we said, has been such a bright spot in a season as messed up as this one was, I do not think you trade him. Yeah. Also, the fact that his contract already looks phenomenal mm-hmm. is probably part of this conversation as well. Um, he's really good, and he figures to only get better. And again, another thing that sort of really sort of hints at, okay, maybe there's something special cooking here. And again, it's a small sample, only 43 games. There's only so much you can pull from it. It's half of a regular season. But he, this season, jumped from 14.3% usage up to 19.3% usage. And the big test for any player is, can you scale up your efficiency when you have greater usage? And uh, he went from 60% exactly true shooting last year to 60.5. He got better this year despite the 5% increase, and he was really efficient down the stretch when he was, you know, pulling in like 25% usage nights pretty routinely. Um, So, yeah, all of that, everything we've talked about, the fact that he is perhaps the most game-breaking defender alive or has the potential to be that in the next couple years, I think that makes him the most untouchable player on the team. And, And I guess, you know, where you're sort of looking to address like what type of player you're trading for at a star trade kind of depends. I think whether I think Siakam or Fred is the the least untouchable, I guess it just, you know, if you're trading for a guard, maybe it's Fred. If you're trading for a forward or a center, maybe it's Pascal just because of roster balance, but OG like he fits in no matter who Mm -hmm. is on the team and fits in perfectly next to anybody. So there's no, I think any like, there's just very little I would be eager to trade OG for, right? Like it's just, it doesn't seem in the cards and that is a nice thing and you get to watch him for at least three more years before that player option in his final season when he's almost surely going to opt out three years from now because of how underpaid he figures to be in the next few years um but you get three years here to kind of see where this thing blossoms into and go from there and it's very exciting um og rocks uh katie in terms of like looking into the crystal ball (laughs) Let's try to like guess what OG's stat line next season looks like, and also what accolades he might earn. You know, All Star, All NBA, All Defense, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just sort of guessing right now, where does OG's final like points, rebounds, assists, you know, efficiency line up like a uh, like, like line end up? And also, do you think he makes an All Star team or an All NBA or an All Defense next year? Um, I feel like All Star is a given. I really do. I think the only thing that mm. would hamper that is just like voting. Um, and like online voting, which I'm just like not convinced it is. Well, I think it's pretty apparent. It's like not a great system. Um, it's just like it serves larger markets, basically getting more players into the all-star game. I sound like such a, a like a whiner there, but I think that's true. Uh, I think that's probably the only reason why there wasn't representation from Toronto this year. And there was an OG. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think all-star. Um, I don't know. It's tough to kind of like fit him into a mold of like one of those like the the awards you know like i would say defensive player but then it's like the people who like the guys who are winning defensive player like he's not as a typical like rudy gobert is just kind of more one-dimensional you know i almost wouldn't want to limit him that that way um in terms of his stat line i don't know i could see him averaging like 20 plus points 
next season, just when you're looking at the year over year improvements. And again, like we talked about the smaller sample size of this season. So I don't think it's a true percentage, mm-hmm. but if he's already hopped up like close to six, six more points per game, it's not really a stretch at all. And that would just be on like a normal trajectory, you know, like maybe he has a crazy burst, you know, and a more like meteoric mm-hmm. Siakam style growth uh, after the summer. Um, probably is rebounding. Like I'd say now if like you, you keep cam and you kind of do some tinkering around like what, who is in that true like center position and it's clear everybody what mm-hmm. their roles are. I'd say his rebounding could probably go up. Maybe let's, let's crack it in at seven. How about that? <laughs> sure. Overall. <laughs> and then like when you, when we took look at minutes, like he was averaging, you know, 33 minutes a game this season, 29 last season. Mm-hmm. Let's get him. It's only going to increase. I would assume. What? Nurse loves to play. His, nurse loves to play his dudes. He does. Uh, let's get him up to 38. It feels like it's going to go up. <laughs> Why not? Get him in that Kyle tier, uh-huh. yeah. Um, because again, I think to me that would aid in what I what I'd like to see, just more like playmaking and shot selection. So sure. that'd be cool. I think for me, the sort of player comp I'm looking at, and I'm not saying that these players are similar; they play different positions and all that. Um, but year four, Jalen Brown, so 2019-20 for Jalen mm-hmm. Brown. His stat line after, you know, sort of being a middle usage guy, 14 points, 13 points a game in his first, his previous couple seasons for the uh, Celtics. In his fourth season, he plays 57 games. He averages 20.3 points, 6.4 boards, 2.1 assists, a steal, and uh, half a block. I think that feels like kind of the sweet spot to me. Like, maybe not the full, like, all-star breakout necessarily, but the, oh, this guy's going to be an all-star very soon, mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of inevitable at this point. That, to me, is sort of the the OG step I see. Like, I don't know if I see the step that Jalen Brown took this season, where his usage went through the roof, and he maintained and improved his efficiency. Like, 24.7 usage up to 29.7 this year and has a 58.6 true shooting. That seems crazy, but 24.7 usage with a 58.3 true shooting, which he had in 2019-20, you know, a bit of a drop-off from where OG is with that big increase, but that, to me, kind of feels like the track he's on, and if that's the case... Hell yeah, sign me up. Um, You know, I think the playmaking could take a little bit more time. It's something that you don't master overnight, and it really does require you to become a go-to scorer first Mm -hmm. before you really know if you have the playmaking, because the playmaking often comes out of how much attention you're drawing as that, you know, high-leverage scoring option. And so it might take some more time to sort of figure out where he is there. But also, you know, the defensive numbers, I feel like, will be more impressive than Jalen Brown's were that year. You know, two steals a game seems reasonable. A block a game seems reasonable. He's insane, and he's constantly making things happen on that end of the floor. So, yeah, uh, year four Jalen Brown is basically the exact line I'm penciling in, plus an extra steal and half a block um, for OG next season. And I think that's totally attainable, and that could be an all-star, depending on, you know, the landscape of the East and, and how it all looks. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I think that's kind of me hedging, right? Like maybe that doesn't put him as the best player on the Raptors as of next season, but it puts him on the trajectory to potentially get there the year after. Um, so that's where but I'm you know going what's with cool that prediction. About next season's mm-hmm. roster anyway, it's like the fact that we're not, there's no clear sense of like who the best player will be, but that's not because nobody is good. It's the opposite. You know, it's like, there yeah. are a lot of players that are kind of set to, plateau again like you know like reach these kind of highs and then like ride it again um which we didn't Mm -hmm. i just think like due to circumstance and all the awful stuff that happened this season we didn't get it so 
I think Toronto's in a, like a pretty exciting position in that sense. There's no doubt about that, Katie. Um, looking forward to OG. Looking forward to him back in Toronto and able to wear scarves again. That'll be fun. Um, it's uh, it's going to be very exciting. And this was a, a fun chat. I love talking about OG and OB, Katie. He's awesome and uh, <laughs> is a beacon of hope for what's to come in the years ahead. Uh, Katie, you're also awesome. Thank you for coming on the show today. Do you have anything you would like to promote? Yeah, I'll promote. Uh, I'm writing about Marcus Saul, another beacon of hope for my heart. Um, so that'll be on Real GM <laughs> probably today or tomorrow. So you can look out for that. Hell yeah. Shout out to Marcus All. Uh, as it turns out, he's good at basketball and you should play him if you want to win games. Uh, congrats to the Lakers for figuring that out uh, months into the experiment. But yeah, Marcus off forever. Um, that's going to do it. We'll be back again tomorrow with Louis Zatzman. We're going to talk about Fred Van Vliet. It's going to be fun. And then again, Friday, we'll dig into Gary Trent Jr. with Yasmin Dewala, which will be also very, very fun. Lots of dishes and dimes uh, representation on the podcast this week, which is good. Uh, all right, that'll do it. Have a good one, everybody. We will talk to you again Thursday and uh, enjoy your Wednesday, I guess. Why did I forget how to sign this thing off? I've done it 953 <laughs> times. I completely am brain farting now. Uh, bye bye <laughs>